Welcome back to the Actors Room, everyone. Here we are, episode number 45, and that is pretty cool. Here we are, 45 in, and I just realized that we're about a year into this podcast. I started in August. So we're approaching one year. Yeah, so I am here with my brother Dave. Hey. And uh, we're going to talk about this week a little different, something that we don't usually do. It's the first time we're doing it. Dave mentioned that it would be a good idea to go ahead and highlight our best supporting actors and actresses, not only in drama, but in comedy as well. And we're going to kick it off with comedy. And we're going to do it like a we do like a countdown, right? And Dave just explained to me that would be the way to go, right? Yeah, I don't know why you didn't figure that out when we're doing like the top. So far we have like 20 of the best comedic and yes. dramatic roles. Right. And a supporting role, minor role. Yeah. Some of these are cameos. And you know? I, you know, the uh, Alec Baldwin, he's going to be one of ours. And just a little sneak peek. Don't I just ruin it. revealed it. <laughs> Dave's going to kill me in this episode. Gee, I wonder which one that is. <laughs> yeah, but you have to guess which how, which number he is. But, yeah, I looked at his, and he's kind of a cameo. Yeah, that's would a cameo. You, yeah, but that's okay. I mean, I would consider him, like, if he got nominated, that would be a supporting role, and he would be nominated for a supporting role. So that makes we, sense. We have someone on our list that is pretty much a cameo that okay. was nominated for Best Supporting Actor. And who's that? We'll have to get to Oh, it. Dave's good, see? He's not fucking around in this episode. He's taking it very seriously. So am I. Because these actors and actresses, they bring something to the table, and you're like, wow. And it makes the movie that much better. You have your lead actors, and they're doing what they're doing. But then again, you take a look at those films you really love, and you go, my God, that one character was so good, and he made that movie that much better. So here we go. Episode number 45, and we're going to do a countdown of the top 20 best actors and actresses in the supporting category. So here we are. We're going to start off with comedy. And who is going to be on our list number 20? Number 20 is from a movie in 1980. 1980. Called 9 to 5. You know, it was really (laughs) funny, too, is I will just, I'll yearn to watch this movie sometimes just because it was, came out in the 80s. And we watched movies when we were kids. This was a staple in our household. Yeah, it was. It was. And uh, I was a real young kid, and they have some profanity in this movie. And I remember I was in the living room, and the dog, our dog Smokey, was being a complete dick or something like that, and just acting up. And I said something like, kill the bastard. And they say that in the movie, bastard. (laughs) And mom was like, what? What did you just say? (laughs) And I was young at the time. I didn't know what bastard meant. I thought it was funny. And uh, this movie um, touches on the comedic aspect of office work. Oh, yeah. You know, and it just does. And Lily Tomlin is just fantastic. She, she starts our list, Lily Tomlin, in 9 to 5. 9 to 5, number 20. And do uh, you want to go ahead and talk a little bit about uh, Lily Tomlin's performance? Well, yeah, she's like, she's kind of like the ringleader of the whole scheme. Yeah, she really is. With uh, Dolly Parton. yes. And Jane Fonda. Jane Fonda. Jane Fonda, I would have to say, is like the lead. It's yeah, kind of, I it's think it is. It's based around her. She starts new in this office. Yeah. And Dabney Coleman is the boss. Dabney Coleman. And <laughs> if you're talking in the 80s, if there was a producer who's like, mm. I need an asshole for this role. Yeah. Dabney Coleman was probably top of the list of who I would wanted. have to say you're right in the and 80s. He was so good at being oh, an man. asshole. And they yeah. tried to make his, you know, they tried to... Uh, 
Take him down, pretty much. He was a dick. He was a dick boss. Yeah, he was a dick boss. He, he was, was chauvinist. Yeah, he was a bigot. You know? And they all got together, smoked some weed, Maui, Waui weed, and they were yeah. just talking about how they wanted to take him down. And they do. And they and do. It's great. I mean, and Lily Tomlin is fucking hilarious and so many things that she's done. And she is a very uh, a good actress. I think people don't realize how good she is. They kind of overlook it because she's so natural, I think. Yeah. And she really is. That's, and that's another thing I want to bring up with this this list of some of the performances. Some of these are actors that are really well established. Mm-hmm. And some some of them are not. Some of them, you, I don't I never even heard of some of these people. There's just a, remember their yeah. performance. But there's a very natural, like, they're just very believable. Yeah. And that's... That's the best part. Yeah, and I think bringing up Lily Tomlin to kick it off is a good example of that. So she's number 20. We're going to move on to 19. And um, this actor, when he did this movie Swingers, Vince Vaughn in Swingers is so natural. You know why? Your money, baby. Your money, baby. (laughs) You know why it's so natural? It's because that character was pretty much based on him. And I have a hard time pronouncing this actor slash director slash writer's last name, John Favre. It's Favre. Favre. I'm not Favreau. sure. Favreau. I don't know. It's French. It has to he's, be. He's uh he's super talented. Though. Oh yeah, he is. He's um you know writer, director, and actor, and he he excels in all of them. He really does. And the first time I saw him was in Rudy. He yeah. was a big guy. Yeah, he he throughout his career, he's really kind of gained weight, loses weight. Yeah, he he's does. Like the Oprah of white dudes. <laughs> <laughs> he has a little trouble with his weight he sometimes. <laughs> um, but super but talented. He, he wrote this movie loosely based on his experience when he moved out to LA. Yes. Uh, he had broken up with a girlfriend of like four years or something, you know, maybe even longer. But. He, I mean, Vince Vaughn, they were friends. I mean, he wrote it with Vince Vaughn in mind. Yeah. Um, and a lot of the dialogue and conversations that he would have with Vince Vaughn were, were part of the movie. The whole, they were. His bear monologue. I have that down. Yeah. That's the best that, part of I mean, the movie. That was, that was actually almost word for word what he told him. conversation he had with Vince Vaughn. That's pretty cool. It is cool. That, you know, there's that little bunny in the corner. She's this little bunny. She's mm-hmm. she's scared. And you have these claws. And when he's put his hands up like, these claws, you're just going to, you're, you're so money. You don't and even then, know it. And that friend who's always like just making yeah. what Vaughn is saying. He's like, yeah, I love that guy. <laughs> your money, baby. Your money. Your money. Oh, God. And there's a scene where they're playing the, the hockey game in the Sega Genesis. We played that game. We had that mm. game where you could like. Beat on their player, and he would bleed. Was, yeah. yeah, and uh, the, the doorbell rings, and this delivery guy, and they're like, go get the door. So he goes, he gets the door, and they open the door, and it's the delivery guy, and Vince Vaughn's like, we're going to fuck with him. Hold on just a second. And they're in the other room, and they're like, is he clean? Is he brown? Oh, like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's so wrong, but so funny. One of yeah. my favorite parts in the movie. Politically incorrect. Yeah. Is he cute? <laughs> Make sure he takes off his shoes. <laughs> so yeah, that's number nineteen. Vince Vaughn in Swingers, a, a very good movie as well. Very, uh, it's independent film, and it was done great. Uh, Heather Graham makes an appearance in that movie. She's gorgeous. That's right. That, probably yeah, one of her first appearances. Right. Well, no, she's been acting for a while actually. Uh, but okay, wanted this a, was in ninety six. Yeah, she had and, done stuff when she was a kid. All right. Yeah, not. 
I don't think anything off the top of my head I would like to mention, but she's been in the business for a while. All right. So number 19 was Vince Vaughn. So we're going to go ahead and move on to the next one, number 18, Dave. And we want to go ahead and kick off this character. What was that? I <laughs> I have a clip of this. Do you, you want to do a clip of Jay? I, I do. Okay, um, now this is a very unknown actor, but I want to go ahead and point this out. He's not only an actor, but he's a writer. He wrote The Great Muppet Caper. He did all the Muppet movies. He did? He wrote them. I yes. did not know that. He, I think I have in here, he also wrote for The Carol Burnett Show. Okay. Uh, the Bob Newhart Show. And uh, he also wrote Short Circuit. No Believe shit. That. This guy. Okay. Now, do you have a clip of this guy? His name is Jay Tarsus? Yes. Okay. And if anyone who's a huge fan of his... Which Not is sure how many yeah, there are. I don't know, but... But if you've seen this movie, you definitely know this line. Let me give you a little advice. There's three rules that I live by. Never get less than 12 hours sleep. Never play cards with a guy who's got the same first name as a city. And never go near a lady who's got a tattoo of a dagger on her body. Now, you stick with that. Everything else is cream cheese. Great game there, Scotty. <laughs> <laughs> Now, this is the coach in the movie <laughs> Teen Wolf with Michael J. Fox. Oh, God, you know. I hope that, can, uh, that turned out okay. I think it did. And okay. if it didn't, you know, it'll be fine. It, hopefully, I don't have to cut it out. Yeah, and if you do. Yeah, I we do. It. But that scene, and he has a couple of scenes <laughs> in that movie that are just priceless. I'm sure most of you have seen Teen Wolf. Michael J. Fox hated the movie. He's ashamed that he did it, but I'm not. I love it. Dave was a little afraid of it when he was a kid, <laughs> when he turns into the wolf. I mean, Dave was yeah, like five. That scared the shit out of me. You're talking Alex B. Keaton. We mm. watch that show all the time. You're talking Back to the Future. And all of a sudden, he started changing in that bathroom. Oh, God, yeah. It, it reminded me of, it was the same kind of special effects as Michael Jackson in Thriller. Oh, that was another one you were afraid of. Which yeah. scarred the shit out of me. It really did. Yeah. You know? Yeah. But and, uh, I didn't like it. <laughs> I was scared, man. But Teen Wolf has a couple of really cool characters. Not only Jay Tarsus, and uh, what his his name in the was he was the coach, and I forget his name. Coach I wrote it. Finstock. Finstock. Okay, and uh, he's talking with uh, Michael J. Fox's character, and uh, Michael J. Fox comes into this little office, you know, in the gym. He's like, I, I want to talk to you about a problem I'm having. He goes. As you can see, I'm a very busy man here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's got like a like a thing of chicken. He's like, do you want a leg or a wing or something? Yeah, right. He goes, that's not necessary, coach. And uh, the way he says the fact that, you know, that, that Michael J. Fox's character has got it pretty much together. There's nothing to worry about. And like, I should be coming to you for money because you have a job. He, he was talking about the IRS is down his back. <clears throat> I mean, yeah, it was yeah, just, yeah. there's something about that character though. Right? It was, per oh, it was perfectly cast. Right? It was well written, but yeah. it was also like, he fucking, how this guy didn't really end up doing even more after this. Right. Appearing in more, because I'll be honest, I, I, when I looked at his IMDb, it, it, there wasn't much. He did some, like, other sitcoms, maybe. Yeah. But, uh, it, I mean, he fucking nails this role and doesn't get anything else, and it's just kind of shocking. Yeah, a, a, definitely a role to take note of. Uh, recognize the fact that the coach is just amazing in Teen Wolf. So that was what, <laughs> number 18? That was 18. All right, man. We'll move on to 17. And uh, we're going to go ahead and put 17 with John Turturro and the Big Lebowski when he played Jesus. Yeah, or Jesus. Or was it I think Jesus? it was Jesus. He called himself Jesus. Okay. And he is off his fucking rocker, this guy. Not a lot of screen time. Two scenes. Two scenes. 
But both scenes are fucking amazing. He's all over the place with this guy. He, I mean, he was hoping you would have a bigger role. Okay. Um, and the Coen brothers were like, well, we'll let you improv okay. a, a lot. And a lot of it was improv. <laughs> so know. good. And, and you'll find a, a pattern in this list. Uh, a lot of these roles are very much improv I think you're right. Some of the best moments is, you know, the dance he did. Yeah, I mean, I I have down that bowling is a religious experience for this guy, but it is also a sexual experience when you see him lick the bowling ball. Yeah. And it's kind of sick, but really funny. And uh, he says, don't fucks with the Jesus, (laughs) as he says. (laughs) And I love the way John Goodman looks at him. Like, he fucking hates this guy. Oh, yeah. And then throughout, like, him talking, he kind of just goes, he's just a fucking moron, that guy. He's losing it. He's just an idiot. And, uh, yeah, just a great role for John. He kind of does that with his acting. He's solid. Oh, he, he is, is solid. so good in everything he does. He's been around for a long time and has given some great performances. And this is just one of them in a supporting role. And uh, anything else you wanted to talk yeah, about with John? Well, he loved this role so much yeah. that he wanted, for years, he wanted to have a spin-off movie about it. Oh, just that it. character. And it okay. finally happened. I think they just finished okay. filming this year. It's called Going Places. <laughs> okay. That should be The Coen brothers did not write off as saying it's a spin-off from them. Okay. Because they don't, they never wanted to do a sequel. Okay. Big Lebowski, there was a lot of talk of like, yeah. you're going to do a sequel. And they're just like, no, we hate sequels. Mm, really? I, I guess yeah. that makes sense. I mean, hey, so it is what it is. It's a great movie. Don't ruin it. You know, let it be a classic. Right. Don't ruin it with, uh, yeah, Big Lebowski I understand. And uh, I also have a note here. <coughs> Take notice of his uh, partner, his bowling partner, that guy he's with. Okay. Mm-hmm. All he pretty much does is react off of John Turturro. And at one point, he almost loses it in that last scene with Jesus. And you could, like, Jesus starts doing, like, this little dance and he, like, thrusting, actually. And you look at this guy and he's about to lose it. And I'm sure it was hard to keep it back working with John because he really did a great job in that role. I'm glad that Dave put him in there. I didn't think of that. And it's definitely of note to have John up on this list. We're going to move on to the next one. And what number is this? This is 16. 16. And we have Joan Cusack in nine months. Yeah. Which is uh, Hugh Jack Hugh Jackman. No, no yeah, Hugh. Hugh Grant. Yeah. yeah. And um, Julianne Moore. Julianne Moore. Uh, we also have uh, Goldblum in Jeff the movie Goldblum as well. And he's really good, too. <clears throat> and there's a clip of this as well. Son of a whore. <laughs> but she says it in a more powerful way. Dave's going to queue it up here. Oh, his phone's lagging. <laughs> I hate this phone. But uh, she's giving birth. And this is near the end of the movie. <clears throat> and she's giving birth. And, of course, she's in a tremendous a lot of pain. And when that happens, the mother-to-be starts yelling and screaming at the father. And she does so in this scene. I hate you! You did this to me, you miserable piece of dick-brain, horseshit, slime, And there it was, that clip. <laughs> it was a little hard to get going, but we got it in there. And uh, priceless stuff. Son of a whore. And, no, I remember you saying that sometimes. Is that where you got this? Well, uh, maybe. I think I it know. is, man. And I think maybe that's why you like that I, performance so much. I remember <laughs> laughing my ass off the first time I saw it. I was like, I never heard 
a woman talk like that before. <laughs> yeah, it, it, you know, and another thing too is just hearing that clip. It's funny and all, but you gotta watch it. I mean, she is completely strung yeah, out. Her, her face alone too. Oh is, my god, is priceless. funny face that she's got, man. Um, it's. I mean, it's a good movie. I, I, on IMDb, it has a rating of five point five. Does it really? And I don't get it. Man, like, I don't either. I thought it was funny. I like Hugh Grant maybe more than other people do. Nah, he's um, a lot of people like him. I'll but I, I I don't know I don't know I always thought it was a funny movie. It's got Me Jeff too. Goldblum who I think is funny. He he and Joan Cusack are brother and sister. And yeah. They have some really good moments. Um, Robin Williams plays the yeah. doctor at the end. Yeah. So yeah, um, definitely a role of note and kind of forgotten because the movie itself doesn't get a lot of high reviews. But for us, it yeah. does. I mean, I liked it. I, I loved it actually. So yeah, Joan Cusack, number sixteen. And we move on to. Uh, number 15 is an actress that I have really loved in everything she's done. Madeline Kahn uh, in Young Frankenstein, 1974. This role garnered Kahn a nomination for Best Supporting Actress at the Golden Globes in 1974. It's sort of a forgotten performance, but she steals her scenes with Gene Wilder, which is not an easy task. No. Gene Wilder, some consider this role for Gene Wilder to be one of his best, not only that, but the best of his career. Now, her first scene with Gene is great. We're at the train station, you know, and he's saying goodbye to her, and he wants to kiss her so bad. Mm-hmm. And she won't <laughs> let him. She's such a prude, yeah. you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Don't, don't touch the coat, darling, you know? And he just wants to kiss her. And at one point, I think they end up, like, touching elbows. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know? That's just, how they say goodbye. That's how they say goodbye. And she ends up hooking up with the monster in, later on in the movie. They... They have sex like six or seven times in like this ditch. I don't even know where they're at. I mean, I don't even know where they're at. Like a cave? It was like a, wasn't it like a a barn or something? Maybe it was a barn. Maybe. That makes sense to me. But I love the fact that, you know, the monster is a monster, right? And he hears this violin playing in the distance and he loves the violin music. So he goes to it and she's offended by the fact that he's leaving her in this barn or wherever the fuck they are. And he heads off and she is so totally offended that he left her. And he's like, oh yeah, just six or seven quick ones and you're off with the boys. <laughs> you know, don't brag about it. And she just totally is in love with the monster because he has like a big dick or something like that. Anyways, um, <laughs> Madeline Kahn, very good actress. Uh, Blazing Saddles. I don't know if you're familiar with Blazing Saddles, oh, Mel yeah, Brooks. Yeah. You know, Mel Brooks did this one as well. Very good movie. And I'm trying to see if there's any other notes I have about this. Did you want to touch on anything? Uh, with... No. You... Okay. Madeline Kahn. Devil so good. There. So good. That was number 15. We'll move on to 14. And then we're going to go back to the Big Lebowski. Yeah. And John Goodman. Mm-hmm. Mm. Great performance. Um, he says that he never had so much fun. Yeah. He loved the role. He, he loved, loved it. it. Yes. And... And by the way, John Goodman's career oh my God. is fucking amazing. I you gotta take a step back, really. <coughs> it it's almost underappreciated. It seems to be like mm, I think under so. the radar. It is. He's conquered sitcoms, obviously, with the hits of Roseanne. Right. The hit of Roseanne. And uh the movies he's done since well, mid eighties, would you say? Raising Arizona. Was that mid eighties? I think that was his big first movie. Yeah. Um, and that was very good. And from there on, he's just done all different kinds of roles, all different kinds of movies. At one point, he was in like a lot of uh best picture movies, like for a string. Mm. He was just yeah. ended, even if they were small roles, like he is not afraid to take any role. It doesn't have to be a big role. 
I think if he likes the project, right. he dives right he, into he it. He picks very good projects. He's And he's fantastic in everything. Very versatile. Yeah. And he like, can do it all. Like you said, he had a blast making this, and it shows in the final product. Goodman's character is militant, dangerous, determined, and kind of stupid. But it works out just fine. Just the way he stands is funny. He's got his chest out, head up, and it's all business. And he's very serious about his character. And uh, he always told, like, Steve Buscemi is in the movie as well. He's always telling him to shut up. You notice that? It's like, yeah. shut up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, he just it, doesn't like him talking. It kind of plays off the Coen brothers, how Steve Buscemi was in the um, Fargo. Yeah, okay. And he didn't stop talking. Yeah. He so didn't. In this one, he was always being told <laughs> to tell the to shut up. up. Well done. Well, I mean, uh, The Big Lebowski is a movie you could put in and just enjoy. It, you know, it wouldn't hurt. To it's s- a class. It's a cult classic. It's, yeah. You get a little buzz going. Get a little buzz going. Put this movie in, no matter what your buzz is. You know? <laughs> and just enjoy this movie because it's a little out there with the visuals. Okay? Yeah. Uh, it is. It is. It, it, they do a great job in putting this to the screen. The Big Lebowski, and we've talked twice about it already, we won't talk about it anymore. Yeah. We're going to move on to the next one on our list, number 13. Who is it? Randy Quaid oh, baby. Uncle Eddie in the <laughs> National Lampoon's Vacation. And probably should say the Christmas Vacation, too. Right. We could probably just kind of combine those two. Pretty much because, yeah, there's not much separation. The character itself does not change. This is a character that stays pretty much the same. Am I right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Very one-dimensional, but... You know, he does put layers to Eddie in a way, uh, but he makes him so much fun. And he's a staple, that Eddie character. I think he makes those vacation movies. Chevy Chase is great, don't get me wrong, but Eddie, Eddie, Cousin Eddie. It was uh, Cousin Eddie, not Uncle Eddie, but he's an uncle uncle to them. Yeah. Oh, I fucked up. He's an uncle to the kids. Cousin Eddie. But Cousin Eddie, yeah. Um, But, you know, I think Cousin Eddie will go down as one of the greatest and funniest characters in modern film history. Really? He steals scenes, pure and simple. Right. And But, you know, sad but true, but most of us are quite familiar with someone like this in our lives, if you think about it. That one person is just kind of a pain in the ass. <laughs> yeah. You know, you kind of don't want to be around him. Like Chevy Chase, he doesn't want to be I around know. Eddie. He's, he's so, like, he dreads having oh. to see him. He's like, oh, I can't believe you're standing in my room. To, to talk to him, you know, and what to talk about. Yeah. And doesn't Beverly D'Angelo's character, the wife... Like, he goes to kiss her, and she backs away, backs away. Yeah, he's like, no thanks, I just don't want, <laughs> you're you know, whatever's slimy. on you, like, you're kind of gross and just grimy. You're just gross, you're drinking beer all the time, you <laughs> smell fantastic. I just want to be away from you. And the one note I do have about this is when uh, his trademark, the the tongue click, the... Oh, yeah. You know, he would, he would uh, in the script, kind of write down where he wanted to do that. Hmm. He's like, he oh, would, it'd be, it'd be okay. good right here, it'd be good right there. Interesting. And he would do that. Hmm. I, I like I, I like stuff like that. That, yeah. He, he got, oh, did he do that in the first movie? He probably did. Yeah. Okay, okay, okay. That, I mean, hey, Randy Quaid is known for other things as well. Uh, he was even nominated for an Academy Award early in his career for Midnight Express. Uh, so if you're interested to see more of Randy Quaid, he's a bit of a nut. I mean, I don't even think he's in the country. Uh, I, no one knows where he is. Right. Point. He's kind of lost his mind. Yeah. He's all about the fact that the business itself, show business, is uh, like plotting to destroy certain actors, go after their credibility. Uh-huh. He's convinced of that. Um, yeah. He comes off quite believable 
at times, giving press conferences. I've watched them. Very interesting stuff to maybe to take note and maybe do your own research on. But he's pretty determined at the fact that they're out to get him. And he's not the only one. There are others <laughs> as well. He also says that, you know, he acted with Heath Ledger in um, uh, the cowboy movie, the gay cowboy movie. Brokeback Mountain. Yeah, very small role. And he will go on to say that he thinks the entertainment business killed him. I don't believe that. Oh, my God. But he believes it. He does. Crazy stuff. The number, what was that? What number was? Uh, he was number 13. Number 13. Unlucky number. But number 12. We are going to just shift into more <laughs> weirdness. We're going to go ahead and just go Probably into weird. The, he has to be the strangest person ever in Hollywood. <sighs> I would have to say yes. I think so. If if we're wrong, if there's someone that we're missing, as far as weirdness, post something, yeah, and I'm talking not just movie weird, just like naturally weird. Crispin right. Glover and Back to the Future. Yeah, and like Dave said, he's odd. Not only in front of the camera, but off camera. Uh, he's someone to really take notice in Back to the Future, and this is why I say that. He made acting choices that were very strange at the time, even today standards. When you look at the character Marty McFly and how weird that character is. Oh, yeah. And I'm thinking to myself, Robert Zemeckis, the director, well, hired him, of course. But while he watched Crispin deliver his lines in the movie, while they're filming it, I wondered if he felt to himself, uh, like, is this going to work? Because it's strange. <laughs> that is a good question. But um, he had to know there was something. Maybe that's, that's a, why he hired him. I guess so. He's like, he's so weird. Okay. That it fits into what, I don't know. That's a very, I never really Think about thought about that. that. Because when you watch that role, the way he delivers his lines, they're very strange. Oh, yeah. I mean... Like, when... Almost like he's forcing it, but that's how weird he is, maybe, at that point in his life. Maybe not so much today, because I've seen him in interviews, and he doesn't talk like that. Right. Okay, a good example I'm going to bring up real quick here is Nicolas Cage in Peggy Sue Got Married. Very similar. Mm -hmm. You saw Cage sort of press... His uh, his the, voice as well as raising Arizona, kind mm. of not as much. not as much not as much, but still playing a weird kind of character. Yeah. yeah, yeah, maybe not even close, really. Okay, but you know what I'm talking about with Peggy Sue got married. Yeah, yeah. That voice he used it was very strange. A, a very brave choice for an actor to go ahead and go yeah. to the limit and to pull it off for that for an entire movie for an entire movie and to make it work because I'll tell you what it was a hell of a choice to make and a brave one for a movie this big think about and it i think if i were Zemeckis and george mcfly is obviously a dork mm -hmm. in crispin gold i mean the way he yeah. says hey you right get your damn hands off of her right it's so strange and he's probably like yeah man that's a fucking dork trying to be tough and it's right. not even working at all so i guess that was a great choice but he, he went he with had, it he had problems working with him though he oh, found he did. it hard to 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 like make him behave like a human being at times that okay. was his quote oh really to, I didn't know that. He struggled with getting Glover to behave, quote, like a human being. <laughs> oh, my God. Well, there you go. Um, he, he did have reservations, obviously. Yeah. He was like, he oh, shit. And the funny thing is, not only were they dealing with Crispin Glover, they were dealing with Eric Stoltz. Because Eric Stoltz, yeah, or so. oh, it was way into production, like 80% done. <clears throat> and they were thinking, my God, we don't like Eric Stoltz. He's bad. 
And then we have this Crispin guy. He's weird. So I know we're diving a little too much into Crispin, giving him a little extra time, but I think he deserves it because of his oddness. (laughs) And and to explain this oddness a little more, Leah Thompson and him uh, wanted to do some rehearsal, just Mm. go over some lines. So he had her come over to his apartment. Okay. Uh-huh. Oh, I'm sure that was his, She says his apartment oh my God. was completely painted black. Oh, my God. With very few furnishings, <laughs> except a medical table in the middle of the room. Dude, this guy kind of freaks me out a little bit. I'm going to be honest with That's you. That's weird. That's weird. That's weird. What is this guy up to? That's what I'd like he's to know. Just, he, he's on a different level and plane that most of us uh, I, I, aren't. I don't. Aren't, aren't sure of. <laughs> I, you know what? I'm looking forward to doing an episode on him, actually. That should be a lot of fun. <laughs> it could. That could be a real fun episode. Crispin Glover coming at you sometime in the near future. So moving on. <laughs> moving on. To uh, the next on our list. Go ahead, Dave. You want to start this one off? Number 11, we go to Darren McGavin as the old man in a Christmas story. The father to Ralphie. And wow, you want to talk about an underrated performance. This is up there. Am I right? It, well, I don't know if it's underrated because it's such a popular movie. And the reason why I say it's a popular movie, I think he's almost forgotten in that movie. It's all about Ralphie and the kids yeah, and it is. Christmas. And, but, but really take notice of his performance acting-wise. Sure. I mean, it's fantastic. Darren McGavin, a neighborhood playhouse alum. He uh-huh. went to the same school we went to. I always kind of respected that as a kid growing up. And we had a great father. A very similar father, uh, you know, just a classic dad, always there for you. And the one thing I really, you know, we think about this character and we think about, okay, Fragile, the leg lamp. That's a staple. It's a big deal. Oh, absolutely. Okay. And he made it work. I think that's the reason why it worked out so well, because Darren McGavin really gave a truthful performance, comedy, yes, but truthful in his reality. He loved that lamp. He he ha- he held it in a respect that right it was yeah. godly to oh, him. Yeah. Okay, it meant a lot. It meant a lot to him. I got it. The audience gets it, and when it breaks, breaks his heart. It breaks his I mean, heart. He's crushed. He's absolutely crushed. He buried it in the backyard. And in the movie, they say that Ralphie actually heard the sound of <laughs> yes. taps being played, yes. ever so gently. <laughs> <laughs> Um, to, to kind of shift from Darren McGavin to just the movie. Yeah. Now, this was filmed here in Cleveland, right, right outside of Cleveland, yeah. in Tremont. Mm-hmm. And the house has now been restored. Yes. it's uh, You can tour it. Mm-hmm. Um, my girlfriend and I went to see it a couple years ago. It's a great tour. There's a museum across the street. Yeah, you could buy stuff from the movie. Like It's you really know. cool. I mean, the whole house obviously had to be redone from inside oh, sure. and out. Yeah. So, it, it's an older neighborhood. Um, yeah. It is. You it, can see that in the film. It's it, an older neighborhood. It sold on eBay for $150,000. Did it really? Wow. In that area, that's pretty impressive, actually. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And b- before we move on from Darren McGavin, I want to go ahead and point this out. Uh, a thing in the movie that maybe people don't realize, and a very important part of it, I think, is at the very end, when Ralphie gets what he wants, okay? That's what the movie's all about, people. He wants that gun. He wants it so bad. We've all been there. Just a BB gun, not a real gun. But you know what? Yeah. But you know what? We've all been there. We all have that present we wanted so bad. Sometimes we got it, and sometimes we didn't. But Ralphie did get it. And guess who got it for him? It wasn't Santa. And it's it's funny, because 
He told three adults in that movie yes. what he wanted. His mom, yep. his teacher, and Santa. Yes. He never told his dad. Never. And his dad is the one that got it for him. That shows you something right there. And it gives me chills. I got chills right yeah. now. I got goosebumps. And when 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 he goes, when Ralphie sees Santa, and the old man asks, he's like, did you tell Santa what you want? And he's like, oh, what does Ralphie say? I think he, he said yeah. no. I, he, no, he, he told him. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I thought he says, like, uh, oh, he knows. He always he, knows. Yep, that's yeah, so what he said. He goes, That's why I he think Ralphie knows. said no. He, no, he did. Remember, oh. he told him, and then he kicked him down the slide. He'll shoot your eye out, yeah. kid. Oh, right, right, yeah. right. He told him. My bad. But Darren McGavin, yeah, but Darren McGavin <laughs> said that. He goes, yeah. Santa knows. He always knows. Yeah. And guess what? He did. Great point you brought up. Yeah. Told three adults, and the one he didn't tell... Is the one that got him the gun. And he's so excited to see his son get it. Oh, he's yeah. Like, oh, no, they'll spill all over. There's, yeah. <laughs> yeah, he got it slow. He holds a special place in my heart, Darren Hell McGavin. Yeah, that character does big time. Love that character. Moving on. What's next? Okay, now, number 10. Ah. Maureen Stapleton is yeah. Ma Kelly. Ma Kelly. Johnny Dangerously, 1984. 1984. This is one of the first movies to ever be rated PG-13. I read that. Crazy to think about that. This is eighty four, so PG thirteen was just starting it, it, to get yeah, going. People are like, eh, maybe we should put a yeah, in like some of this stuff because there's definitely things in that movie are not appropriate. It actually should be R, to be my honest opinion. It probably should. Yeah. I mean, don't they talk about dildos? They, I mean, oh yeah, she pulls out a dildo from her purse. There's a lot of sexual <laughs> references in oh, this yeah. movie. Johnny Dangerously is a great comedy. I don't know how highly rated it is reviewed. But I think it's a masterpiece. Oh, we grew up on it, so maybe oh, we're a little biased. Maybe. But, we're, I mean, I was like, what, 1984? I, I probably saw that movie at six <laughs> years old, five, yeah, five yeah. years old. and It played constantly in our my house. Favorite part, constantly. My favorite part of the movie, and I couldn't really find a good clip of it on YouTube, is when <coughs> they're celebrating outside the courtroom or something, and mm-hmm. she brings out a, 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 a bottle of whiskey or something. Yeah. And her son is, you know, Tommy, he's like, Mom, it's Prohibition. And she's like, oh, shut up. Stop acting like a fat choir boy. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, oh, my God. <laughs> like a fat choir boy. <laughs> and that actor was played by Griffin Dunn. Yeah. Okay? He also went to the Playhouse. So oh, any actor right. yeah, any actor or anything that's involved with the Playhouse, I like to point it out. You gotta mention it. You gotta point it out because we're kind of proud of that. So Griffin Dunn, that he plays the brother of Michael Keaton <clears throat> in Johnny Dangerously. And you know what line also comes up in my mind a lot is when the weather's kind of bad when she's standing in the streets in the movie and it's snowing all over and she looks up she goes my god it's the worst july in years <laughs> yeah. like it's the middle of summer yeah. and it's like what 20 degrees I mean, this is the kind of movie it is yeah. like marine stapleton's probably what 60 something years old in this oh, movie god, yeah. and she's celebrating her 30th birthday or something like oh that. yeah yeah I mean, yeah happy just, birthday mom so how does it feel to be 30 <laughs> she's like something like she's like oh i hope i make it to 34 <laughs> yeah i don't know what the it's been a while but i mean that's but the she's, kind of movie yeah. it is it's fucking ridiculous oh, she's so just good. doing laundry all the time there's just like mounds of laundry yeah yeah place. what give up my career no i won't do that i'm gonna Iron all these shirts. There's a mound in the other room. <laughs> the whole room is full like, of like dirty laundry. Michael Keaton pulls at something and it just yeah, comes yeah, tumbling right, on top of him. Right. I mean, just great stuff. Joe Piscopo also. Isn't he right. good in this He's movie? He's amazing in and that movie. Can I bring this up? Is it true? Now, I remember you telling me this years ago. And I don't know if it's true. Joe Piscopo's son. Did you know him? 
Back no, in the day in New York. But I met him. Okay. And he He was hitting on you, wasn't he? He sort of hit on me. <laughs> <laughs> um we were at an audition. Me and my buddy Ed went to an audition. Some open call. Okay. Um, which are the worst. But we oh, went yeah. and uh Joe Piscopo's son was there auditioning. I, f- I forget his name. Uh, it might be Joe. I, I it don't might be remember. a junior. <clears throat> okay. And it kind of sort of made a pass at me. That's so it funny because he is gay. Yeah. I believe it. Yeah. He's gay. And I remember you telling me that story. I, have fun- I don't know why. I just thought it was so funny. Joe yeah, Piscopo's was... son's like, hey, how's it going, guys? <laughs> yeah. I, I, and my memory sucks. I can't remember exactly how he was acting. Yeah. But, but it was clear he was. He, you know. he, he made some sort of comment towards me where I was just like, uncomfortable. Wait a minute. Wait a, <laughs> wait a second wait, now. Wait, <laughs> wait a minute, Piscopo. <laughs> and I'm like, Step off, buddy. Should I. Should I get involved here? My career? <laughs> Maybe he'll open some doors, but wait a minute. He's at this open call with me. So obviously, he's yeah, not going to do me any good. Well, I mean, I don't think I love that shit. It. I love that shit. <laughs> All right. Um, so, okay. Moving on. <clears throat> Number nine is like. <clears throat> Clear my throat. And all I right. drop the ashtray. And uh, ashtray's dropping all around us. We're falling apart. Oh, that, uh, God, I'm surprised <laughs> the table's holding up. All right, so <clears throat> the next number is nine. And next up is... David Herman Yes. Is Michael Bolton in Office Space. Very good. Michael Probably, Bolton. <laughs> in my opinion, top ten comedies of all time. Oh, especially yeah. those of us who have worked in an office. Oh, God. Or would still work in an office. Every aspect of that movie is dead on. It's pretty good. As pretty far good. as, like, the traffic going to work and it's getting all, in the bad lane. Yep. Right? I love the part where, I mean, they're a bunch of white guys, and he's playing loud rap music. Oh, and, like, yeah. a black... Black guy comes up next to him. He rolls up the window because he's afraid or something like that. He he's embarrassed at the fact he's listening to rap music. Yeah. Um. Michael Bolton is just a great character, and I love the choice the writers made in making well, his name Michael Bolton. This is a film by Mike Judge. Okay. Who's the creator of Beavis and Butthead? Oh, okay. So, I mean, <laughs> he he made fun of Michael Bolton probably a lot, and did he? I'm oh, not sure. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Okay. Probably did, but I, I, dude, that's been so long since I've seen those episodes. Oh, yeah, the one um, back in the day, Beavis <clears throat> and Butthead? Oh, yeah. yeah. But, uh, I mean, this movie is just fucking great, and Michael Bolton was always one of my favorite characters. And I actually read up on him as an actor. There are a lot of people in the business, very high, high people in the business, that feel in some way, I don't know how, they, they say, I don't know how the hell this guy isn't a bigger actor. Right. They don't know if it's the choices he makes. Maybe he does theater. Um, he does a lot of voiceover work. Okay. I know he's on um, He's on Bob's Burgers. Okay. He plays a teacher in that show. All right. Uh, he may have done some Family Guy and American Dad, too. <clears throat> I'm not sure, but I know uh, he, he's done that. But uh, I really don't know how much other stuff he's done. Uh, take a look real quick, I guess. Because, quite honestly... You can see glimpses of his acting ability in this movie. A, a comedy can bring out great acting. I don't care. And some will tell you, not some, most will tell you that comedy acting is harder than drama mm-hmm. to pull it off. you got to have a certain sense for comedy, timing, that sort of thing. And uh, this Michael Bolton character shines in Office Space. I think he's the best actor in that movie. <laughs> he is. PC Lowbutter. The fuck is that? <laughs> PC low letter. The way he beat on that fucking copier 
when they took it out into the field and they have bats and he's kicking it, they had to like restrain him. He wanted to fucking destroy oh, yeah. that thing. The look on his face. A, a look of determination. I mean, he just wanted to destroy it. A great, great character. And uh, did you find out anything about it? Because we're going to have to move on. Yeah, no, that's fine. Let's <laughs> yeah, that, maybe we'll go back to that later if you find something. But Yeah, that's fine. Okay, man. So we're going to go ahead and move on to the next one. And the next number is... Eight. Number eight. The classic movie from the 90s, American Pie, mm-hmm. Eugene Levy's character. <laughs> is, I mean... Is fucking great. Isn't I it? Mean, uh, and, the the yeah. talks he has with Jason Biggs. Mm-hmm. It, it's, it's familiar for those who have had a father like that. or Yeah. It, 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 it's so uncomfortable. For yeah. both of them, you know, and and he got a lot of he improvised a lot of his dialogue. Yes, he did. That's Which noted. Is no big surprise. He 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 worked in uh, was that Second City? Uh, I think is that so. What it's called Second mm-hmm. City in, in in Canada. There, yeah, SCTV. That's, yeah, I, yeah. He, he you know he worked a lot with uh, John John Christopher Candy. Guest though with those movies, yeah. which is all improv. I mean, I'm not even sure there's a script. Maybe five yeah, may pages not. long for his movies. Just a basic structure. It's just, these are the characters and just go. And so he's very used to that. And the directors, I'm sure, are just like, just go. Yeah. It's, and I've loved <clears throat> Eugene Levy ever since I saw him in Splash with Tom Hanks. Great character. I've considered that character as well. Yeah, that's a good one. That's man. a good one. Um, that's it, pretty good. He's just a fun and bushy-eyed guy. Those Bushy eyebrows. Eyes. I mean, that's putting I, it mildly. Yeah, and I even adore his small cameo role in Chevy Chase in the first vacation movie. Do you remember that role? Oh, of course. He's in the first scene, the sleazy salesman. He sells him the car. I don't know what happened. Davenport. <laughs> Davenport. Get, bring, bring his car back here. Just bring it back. I mean, just great stuff. I love that guy. And, uh, <laughs> I don't know. Like you said, improvises his lines on a regular basis, and the scenes between him and Jason. Beautiful, funny stuff, and American Pie, of course, is just a it's great. A, it's movie. a classic. It really it opened really doors is. for a lot of actors in that movie. Oh yeah. Uh, specifically, Stifler. Um, I guess he got paid like five thousand dollars for that movie. I mean, wow. Are you serious? That's nothing. Five thousand dollars. That's it. It was not even ten thousand. Holy shit! And he exploded after that. That character is great. Yeah. yeah, he was. I, I was considering putting him on the list too. Stifler. He's an honorable mention, I guess. He really is because he, in a sense, did kind of steal most of that movie. <laughs> That's good stuff. So yeah, Eugene Levy, <laughs> and then we're gonna move on to the next one. Someone else who stole the fuck out of this movie. Oh yeah. At number seven, Philip Seymour Hoffman is Sandy Lyle and Along <laughs> Came Polly. Two thousand and four. Yes. This fucking guy. <laughs> I mean, you're, the character is a burnout act. He was like a child star. Yeah, yeah. And just is now an adult piece of shit. Yeah. Riding the coattails of himself as a child. Yeah, he flamed out. And, yeah. He's and some of the lines, when he, you know, the shart, I mean, that yeah. fucking blew everything up. Dude, Everyone is talking about sharding. I just sharded. He's like, I have, we have to go. <laughs> yeah. Why do we have to go? Because I just sharded. Well, what shart? I don't know what that means. <laughs> I fired a little bit of shit came out. We have to go now. <laughs> he has some great, like, um, when they're in that fucking elevator. Yeah. And he's like, God, I'm so fucking horny. <laughs> I mean, what? <laughs> like, and what's the best part of this, as funny as that is, is that Philip Seymour Hoffman, as we all know, is a more dramatic 
very serious actor. He is, yeah. And to see him do comedy... It blew my mind. Yes, it blew my fucking mind. Because he nailed it, of course. He nails everything. It goes to show his... He was boundless. <laughs> he had no limits. He was limitless. Yes. His delivery of lines, you don't get much better. You just don't. Not really, man. His delivery is so good, and it really showed through in this movie. A, a supporting role in Along Came Polly. I love this movie. Great stuff. All right. So what number is next, Dave? We have number six. Yes. A classic Caddyshack. Yes. And obviously Bill Murray. 1980. And Playing Carl. Yeah, 1980. And he says that he was supposed to have just a small role. He was on Saturday Night Live at the time. And they said, you want to be in Caddyshack? He said, sure, but it's going to have to be a small role because I'm so busy. Well, he was so fucking hilarious, they had to expand his role. Mm-hmm. They kept calling him up, Bill, can you come for one more day? All right. So he'd come in. Bill... One more day? <laughs> like, so, yeah. No, you're, you're too good. So you have Stop to keep it. coming in and doing more because we need more. Wow. Carl the groundskeeper. It, it's a classic role. I mean, and he, uh, once again, uh, a lot of improv. Yo, when, yeah. when he did that monologue of the Cinderella story, he was given two lines of direction from Harold Ramis, who was the director. Mm-hmm. He said, uh, Ramis told him just... Imagine yourself announcing your own fantasy in a sports moment. Yeah. You know. And Murray just basically was like, I need a, a row of mums. Mm-hmm. And he just just went. He just went he with just it. He just went with it. Yeah. It, it, it's in the hole. Yeah. It's, I, mean, it, I mean, classic line. People say that in the golf course. Of course they do. Because of Bill Murray. Uh, he grew up in that atmosphere when uh, him and his brothers were young. They worked at a golf course. So that's where this movie kind of spawned from. His brother, Brian Doyle yes. Murray, uh, I think he was a co-writer. There was a lot of writers in this. They yeah, I think Kenny, you're right. Mm-hmm. I think Harold Ramis also he always obviously did. contributed yeah. to the writing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Brian Doyle, Brian Doyle Murray. Yeah. And so a lot of this was his experience yeah, and, uh, as a groundskeeper you or know, as a caddyshack. Bill Murray as an actor, okay, may give off a vibe of not caring on screen, but I guarantee you, he gives 100% every time. And it means something to him. It's serious shit. He doesn't fuck around. And that's why you get performances just like this. They kept calling him back. We need more of you. You saying people don't think he takes it seriously? Oh, yeah. There's a lot of people out there that don't consider him a serious actor. Who? And I disagree. Get the fuck out of here. Oh, yeah. And him being nominated, I wanted him to win so bad. Having <clears> him come up to get that Oscar, would it lost in translation... I would. Oh God! I was praying he'd get it because huh. I don't know if he'll be back. You know? Eh, no, I. I don't. I hope. I don't see it as impossible because he's done so many movies, even just recently, like Saint Vincent. Yeah, that was a good one too. Was he even nominated for that? No, no. But he should have been. That's too bad. Yeah, because he's he's a really wonderful actor, and you should take notice of that. Those of you who didn't listen to my Bill Murray episode, <laughs> shame on you. It's one of my favorites. I don't know why. Uh, just because of the simple fact, he meant a lot to me growing up learning about acting. I always seem to go back to his performances and just appreciate his work. He, the, he, dude, everybody loves Bill Murray. I know, but I don't think they regard him. Putting him up there with a Tom Cruise and Gary Oldman. And there's I get lot. it. I, I think there's a lot. There, he's so huge. Is he elite though? It, yeah, I think a lot of people do consider him elite. 
in that's a strange in a strange character as well. Just a cool guy. Oh yeah, that's where he's all over the map. He's not only the, one of the funniest guys, but he does all these dramatic roles too. I love him. I do. He's one of a kind, man. He's I love up there him. with like the Robin Williams, where he broke that boundary of comedy yeah. and drama. And yeah. just like I could do all of it. It's just incredible stuff. So okay, moving on from Bill Murray and Caddyshack, nineteen eighty. And then shooting up to 2008 in a movie called Tropic Thunder, we get a performance and we've talked about it and we're going to talk about it again because it deserves it. Doing my research and reading uh, comments on this movie, I was not the only one that didn't recognize him. People that went to the theater, okay, when they saw the credits and they saw his name come up, they said, wow, that was Tom Cruise. Okay, I get it now. So I wasn't the only one. That's how good he is in this movie. He disguised himself. Do you have any notes about like uh, the the process he went through, like changing his appearance? Well, I mean, not a lot of it was all his idea. Yeah, that's what I heard. He, he went to Ben Stiller and said all those things. He's like, I want fat hands. I want to be yeah. bald. I want, um, you know, uh, uh, overweight. Yeah, he looked. He, oh, yeah, he really wanted to look completely different. It was all his idea, and there is a, a resemblance yeah. to one of the producers of the movie whose name is Stuart Kornfeld. Yes. If you look up this guy's picture, it there's looks a like resemblance. A, yeah, yeah. he wanted to go ahead and encapsulate sort of him and yeah. other sleazeball you know, producers, those big wigs in the business, right. and he did a great job in sort of just giving a broad view of these guys. That's how they look. That's how they act. They're ruthless. They're sleazy. I give him so much credit for doing it because it's so out of character. For him, big time. I'm, and I said this during our episode of Tom Cruise, he needs to fucking do this a more. Lot more. In the comments I read too, a lot of people agree with you. They say, I'm not a big fan of Tom Cruise. I'm now. That's really yeah, good. He I'm, made me laugh. Yeah. He needs to fucking do it already. Stop with these The Mummy. I haven't seen it. I don't know if it's Wait, good. wait, wait, I'm wait, just, whoa, whoa, whoa. The Mummy? Yeah. Really? They came out just last year. Oh, wow. Really? I yeah, didn't know that. It seems like, it seems crazy. I do want to see it. It's very... Yeah, this, interesting. The, the okay. special effects look really cool. But I'm just so sick of, like, all these action. Like, do, do something yeah. like either Magnolia or this Tropic Thunder more... Like that. Comedic roles. Yeah, yeah. And I also want to note that the profanity used by Cruz in this movie is off the wall just fantastically funny. Yeah. Uh, the, the, the swearing he does. I love to hear him swear. Uh, he could just pull it off beautifully. And uh, he plays the role truthfully because he knows these characters in real life. He has to deal with these people all the time. The character was created by Cruz, hair, costume, and all, even deciding to use big prosthetic Hands. Hairy hands. <laughs> That's such a weird thing, man. <laughs> I mean, I, I don't know. I, this, I, I could watch it every day. His scenes are, he is so, like, he doesn't give a shit about Ben Stiller. Like, they're going to kill him. They, like, have him in some jungle, and uh, I forget the name of the gang that calls up on the phone. I forget the name. Yeah, I don't but remember. He's like, oh, you know, they're giving the demands. And he doesn't care. Mm-hmm. He doesn't care about the money. And, like, you're going to let him, you're going to let him die? He's like, well, what we'll do is we'll set up like some kind of trust fund or we'll go do it. Yeah. I mean, he just, he's ruthless <laughs> and it all works out very well. Tom Cruise, Tropic Thunder 2008. And we're going to move on to another movie by. It's another uh, role by Bill Murray. Yeah. Again. He, in Tootsie. And, and uh, yeah, I was kind of on the fence on which one 
is better, the Tootsie Roll or the Caddyshack one? Tootsie Roll. I really believe that Toots, Tootsie Roll. Did I say Tootsie Roll? Yeah, you did. Oh, my God. We're I mean, going to leave that fitting, in there. but, you know. <laughs> Not only a it, great movie. But, wow. I mean, I would have to say Caddyshack's better. Would you? Would you yeah. put that bet? Okay. But, that, but uh, Bill Murray and Tootsie is fucking great. It's a different they, kind of role for him they didn't at want that him. time. They didn't want him. Oh, they really? Nope. They okay. were like, you know, he's, he's Bill Murray. They're like... He didn't really kind of fit in. Okay. You know. Well, this is right before he did. Um, I'm sorry. This is right after. Wait. I said this was right before he did Ghostbusters. And well, after he portrayed Carl in Caddyshack. Yeah. So this is right after yeah. Caddyshack. Uh, he plays it light and fun. Uh, Bill is an actor and a damn good one. You know, this is a role that <laughs> proves it for me when I see him do this character in Tootsie. He played Dustin Hoffman's roommate. They're actors, writers, that sort of thing. And the big... Was it the necktie scene that this writer, Bill Murray, it was a big deal in the movie. Like, should he wear the necktie or shouldn't he wear the necktie? And then him playing off of Dustin Hoffman, just in the simple fact that Dustin Hoffman is dressing up like a woman. And he wakes him up in the morning yes. and Bill Murray is just like, yes, mom? Because <laughs> he looks like an old lady yeah. in an ugly one. Dustin Hoffman is a woman. Is yeah, it's pretty, pretty bad. bad. It's pretty bad. So you get a lot of different little things also. Like in the beginning of the movie, there's a party going on for Dustin Hoffman's birthday. It's the best. Right? And he's sitting around. And the first time you see him, there are a bunch of people around. And they're just talking just about theater. Listening right? to every word he has to say. Yeah, because, yeah, he's the only one talking. Like no one else is talking. It was all improvised, I believe. He's just babbling on about the fact that he would just love to own a theater. And the only time it's open is when it rains. And people are just like, <laughs> oh, yeah, I'm interesting. And then talking about the Native American, <clears throat> he did a play about it. Nobody cared. Nobody showed up. You know, he's just babbling on and on. <laughs> the, the best line I yeah. have here is like, I don't like it when people come up to me after a play and say, I really dug your message, man. Or I really dug your play, man. I cried. I cried. You know, like, I like it when people come up to me the next day or a week later and they say, I saw your play. What happened? <laughs> Those of us who are like actors and have been in that scene of other <laughs> actors and directors, like that, yeah. you know that person. You know that person. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. They're out there. And Bill Murray was that guy. He man. was that it guy. It's like, what happened? <laughs> he goes in the end of the movie. He goes, that is one nutty hospital. Yeah. And it was. And also, uh, there are some great scenes. They're just popping into my head. Dustin Hoffman as a woman is being hit on by the other actor, and he actually gets Dustin Hoffman in his room. And I'm talking about Dustin Hoffman's apartment. And he starts singing to her and everything, and that's why he let him in. And he is hitting on her, getting on top of her, and Bill Murray walks in and sees the scene <laughs> and doesn't say anything and lets the guy leave, and he just slowly looks over at Dustin Hoffman. He goes, you slut. <laughs> <laughs> And it's so perfect. And that was improvised. That was, that was like, improvised? Yep. The way he just... And he takes a moment. Like, he doesn't say it right away. He yeah. just looks at him. <clears throat> you slut. I mean, it's just perfect timing. Timing. Yeah. That's yeah. what it's all about. And that's why we're hiding the comedies first. Light and fun, right? Yeah. That. And Bill Murray. What number was that? That was four. We're wow. Going three. We're going top with, three. With another really great actor, James oh. Spader in Pretty and Pink. Don't get me started on this actor. Damn. In The Blacklist. I got to get back to watching that. 
because... I lost touch myself. Yeah, I, I watched the first six, maybe seven episodes, and I liked it. But sometimes this happens with me. I'll watch a show, yeah, something I, comes I, I up, get you get distracted. I got to get back to it. How far did you get into it? We got into the second season. So we're did you really? Behind. Okay. Uh, but it got way too confusing. That was the thing. We're okay. Like, what the fuck is going on? We're yeah. both like, maybe too dumb to figure it out. But sometimes those shows do that. They lose you. so good. But getting in pain yeah. to get back to this role... Um, he almost didn't get it. Okay, I didn't know that. in his audition... Okay. He was in character the whole time. Yeah, I read that. He was a fucking cocksucking asshole. Yes. He walked in like that. Yeah. <laughs> and the director, um, um... Yeah, what was the director's name? I thought um, I wrote that down. I don't think I did. I didn't either. But that's okay. That's, that's fine, okay. but he yeah. almost didn't give it to him because he's like, this guy's a fucking prick. He was uneasy with the fact he didn't like him. That was it. Yeah. Uh, he was like, okay, this guy's good. I mean, the character, he nailed it, but I, I just have a weird feeling about him. Uh, he came in as the <clears throat> character. He walked out as the character. Yeah, he's... In an audition, that's frowned upon. They want to see you too. They just don't want to see the character. So I think that's why the casting process, in that sense, was a little hesitant <laughs> about... Oh, this guy, I may not want to work with yeah, him. Yeah, like, he had a cigarette going, yeah. and as he left, he fucking put it on the floor and stopped Right, down. that's the story. Like, <laughs> and now, Hughes wrote, wrote it. Of course. Now, did Hughes, he direct it? Uh, he may, I, Maybe I not. Know. I don't think he directed it. But I think he had a say in the casting process, I think. Of course. And um, now, it is said that uh, an interview was given by Molly Ringwald, and I found it. She talks about James Spader. And she has the biggest smile on her face talking about James Spader. She goes, yes, he was a prick in the movie, <laughs> but only in his character. Away from that, he's the sweetest man you'll ever know. He's that good of an actor. And he had given performances in the past where he plays a dick. And he said, I'm just really good at it. I get yeah. the character. It, That's it, just me. And that brings me to uh, John Cryer, mm -hmm. who played Ducky. Yeah. Who most people would think he was the scene stealer and all that. Yeah. And he was. He, he was. Great. John yeah. Cryer is great. He's different, yeah. Um, in his memoir that just came out in 2015 called So That Happened, mm -hmm. he talks about Spader. Okay. How they were good friends. Okay. You know, they would hang out in Spader's trailer a lot. And oh, during Spader, the movie? Mm -hmm. Spader admitted he's just like... Um, he, he just figured out how to, he's got a lock on how to be an asshole. Yeah. He, he knew how to do it, it you know. It, it, a kind of a forgotten performance, too, because uh, as though Pretty in Pink is a pretty popular movie in the 80s, and maybe still today, it's a classic, I would consider. Oh, absolutely. Dude, there's a lot of people who love that movie. Yeah. Even today, they're big fans. And I have to give credit to Doug White, my uh, my buddy. I, I studied acting with him. We roomed together in New York City. And he pointed out this performance to me. And I took notice, and I'm like, it is pretty amazing. Yeah. The way he carries himself, it's so truthful. It's grounded. And just his little snide comments. And I think Cryer mentioned that the scene where they fought in the hallway in school, they really got into it. And uh, James Spader got up, and Cryer was just blown away at the fact that he spit on the ground. 
after he got done with the fight, he spit in the hallway and realized just how good and how free and improv he was. Mm -hmm. I'm sure that was just all James Spader. Of course. Uh, into his character and just blew John Cryer away <clears throat> with just that moment. And uh, there are other great moments that he gives. Check it out. I know you've probably seen it and agree with us, right? I would great think stuff. so. Yeah. I would think so. James Spader, number three. And we're moving up to the top two. and top Another John Hughes. John Hughes will continue on. Go uh, ahead, Dave. In, in 1985, The Breakfast Club, Judd Nelson. Classic film, Judd Nelson. What uh, a character. I mean... He, he stayed in character off camera. He went method. Really angered a lot of people, and especially Molly Ringwald. Yes, and, and John Hughes. He will not yeah. work with them again. No. Nope. That will not happen. Uh... And I also want, from a personal note here... John Hughes has passed away, so... Uh, when I lived in New York City, I worked at a restaurant called... Uh, God, what the hell was that restaurant? Uh, uh, Houston's. Houston's restaurant. It was in downtown Manhattan. And one of the uh, servers... Actually, I think he was a manager. He was good friends with Judd Nelson. And he would be around. And I can attest to it. He was not very nice. Let's put it plainly. Really? Yeah. He was a dick. Uh, I don't know... At the time, I'm thinking to myself, maybe he's just going through some shit, but no, nah, he's just not. He talked to his friend, and that was it. He, everybody else, he was just snide. Uh, I'm bigger than you. That was this thing I got from it, the whole wow. thing. Uh, just a very unpleasant guy. And I wow. guess it, on the set, it was probably hard to work with him, obviously. John Hughes. Yeah. Doesn't want to work with him. Yeah. And what, Molly Ringwald was kind of turned off by him? Yeah, well, he, I mean, he fucking bullied her. I oh, mean, that's right. Not Staying only in character. in scenes, but, I mean, yeah. off, off camera, it was difficult for him to yeah. just hold back and just fucking kept ripping on her then. <laughs> but Fucked you, up. Yeah, we're, we're kind of talking about how much of a dick he is, but it doesn't take away from his performance. <laughs> yeah, his performance is great. It, dead on, because he kind of is a dick, so I guess it plays out pretty well. And he was, I'm um, trying to think here if he's got, um, he was hard to work with, I got that. He went method. Uh, so much to the point where he actually went to a high school outside of Chicago where they were filming. Yeah, I have and, that. He went undercover. In yeah. Yeah, and he was buying teenagers beer and shit, and he say, "All right, I gotta." I think he was, you know, staying at the hotel somewhere. Yeah, and they, they're like, well, "Why is he living in a hotel?" Yeah, and he had made up the story. He's like, "Oh, my dad's in jail." Right. It's like wow, this is how far he went. Yeah, because so I think it's not like only Molly Ringwald he was fucking with, but he, he that's was just fucking with everybody. He, he actually went to a laundromat in character. Okay, and had the cops called on him because he was giving dirty stares to women. <laughs> God, creepy dude. That's fucked up. And yeah. it's like he had no career really after that. He did St. Elmo's Fire mm -hmm. and then what? He did do a television show for a while. He was a character on a show. I don't remember which one. Uh, but, I mean, I just smile upon this performance, and that's pretty much about it with him. Because I didn't right. like him in St. Elmo's Fire. I, no, I didn't. me neither, man. Uh, he was okay. He was okay. Um, but in this one, Breakfast Club... He really yeah. did, like, personify that character. We knew guys like that, those burnouts, kind of creepy, scary guys. They, they were around in the 80s, and he did a great job of portraying that. Absolutely. Fucking perfect. Judd Nelson, number two. So we get to the top one, people. Number one. How about a nice, greasy pork sandwich served in a dirty ashtray? 
And that was a clip from, of course, Weird Science. And who is it, Dave? Bill Paxton. Mr. The, Bill Paxton. Late grade. Oh, yeah. Bill we just Paxton. talked about that. How sad it is. Passing too soon, and he was just a great actor. Um, and I know every single line of dialogue that he gives in this movie. And I think For Dave does reason. as well. Yeah. We would recite his lines, and we just did a little while ago. Yeah. Just having fun. <laughs> we, just talking about his lines. We grew up on this movie. Yeah. And. You're talking about nailing a performance? Oh, yeah, he did. This is nailing a performance. I mean, Bill Paxton's performance in Weird Science 1986 was, mind you, brilliant. And that's why it's number one on our list of supporting actors. And um, I've seen this movie many times, primarily when I was a kid. But I will pop it in from time to time. John Hughes, and we point this out right now, the top three in our list are all associated with John Hughes, and it's just a fun movie to watch, and Bill Paxton had a big, big deal to do with that simple fact. It's just fun, and he's fun. Now, his character itself is kind of serious to him, but he fucks with his brother, Wyatt. <laughs> relentless. I, oh, relentless. He's I such mean, a dick. Brutally. 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 I mean, and I guess what that clip we played that when he says, how about a nice greasy pork sandwich served in a dirty ashtray, that's something his dad would say to him, right? Right, when he was hung over. Yeah. So. <laughs> that's what his dad said. And, and a lot of his lines were, once again, improvised. Improvised. From uh, just experience he had back in high school. I mean, he took, he took it back to, his, you know, uh, I think a lot of it was an experience that he had when he was like in a, he was a counselor at a, campground okay or something like that like a summer camp mm -hmm. if i recall he did an interview with mark Marin and he talked about that okay uh once again talk about mark Marin and this is awesome podcast hey what's that called the, his podcast uh what the fuck podcast what the WTF. fuck yeah that's uh, a big podcast it, yeah very he, successful he gives great interviews and, and what's sad is um i listened to that interview he had with bill paxton mm -hmm. and i'm not kidding maybe two or three weeks later he had passed away wow it was that and and mark wow. was you know mary was like he was he was right here he was just, he was here. just here he was healthy as could be. Wow, what did he die of? I don't um, even remember. And I'm, I'm, my bad. I, yeah, I don't remember. I don't, it was very sudden. It was. Yeah, maybe a heart thing. I, I don't know. Don't quote me on that. <clears throat> yeah, but he passed away. Probably should have looked it up. But yeah, but that's okay. Um, um, just sad. He was so talented. He yeah. Did so many movies. A lot of movies that we're gonna touch upon and yeah. in the drama episodes. He pops up. Like he, he did a lot of good work. He really did a lot of great work. And this comedic role he did in Weird Science is something that I can look back on and I just, I think of fond memories watching him act with Anthony Michael Hall. Yeah. And uh, the movie itself is silly. I mean, I get it. It's a, it's a silly boy movie. You got a, a young Robert Downey Jr. in this movie. Uh, I guess they just had a blast on set. Even Kelly LeBrock wasn't really thrilled with the fact that the younger actors were kind of being dicks on set, but they were having a good time, <laughs> right, you know, and obviously right. they did. They had a blast on this picture. It showed. It's a gem of a film, and Bill Paxton, number one. Obviously number one. As, for us. I mean, just a great You job. know what I mean? And what I, I just want to say, Chen, <laughs> it's tough to, uh, 
you know, this is just our opinion of some right. of these movies. Obviously, they're they're very dated. We grew up in the 80s and 90s, so a lot of these films are from yeah, that period. Of course. Um, so what's great is if some of the people who are listening, if they can chime in and be like, hey, you missed this because we probably did. Oh, yeah, and there was some on our list we didn't have. Yeah, we, we have some honorable mentions. Yeah, if you want to point out a few, go um, for it, man. I have uh, <laughs> Kathleen Freeman. Okay. I don't know that name. Me neither. Who? What but role? She is the. She was in the Dragnet. Uh. When Dan Aykroyd is asking questions. Oh, Dragnet. Yeah, Dragnet. Oh, the old lady. The old lady. Oh, the miserable she's miserable bag of puke. We watched that a few weeks ago. I kept Are playing you it. Kidding? I kept playing that scene over and over. Amy's like, "Fucking brilliant! Play it again. That, it's so good." It's <laughs> funny. It's funny that you mentioned that because when I was uh, today, I was like, "Oh, I, I remember that." That character, remember that role? Yeah. And when we first saw that as, you know, as, as kids, mm-hmm. I remember as a family we're watching that. <laughs> and it's not, this didn't happen a whole lot when yeah. we would watch movies, but we would rewind the VCR oh, because boy. we're fucking old. Yeah, the VCR. We rewinded that scene, I don't know how many times, because the whole family was losing it. Yeah, we were just loving it. Yeah, miserable bag, got puke. The, the profanity is... heart, you goddammit. I mean, that... That part was so good. I had to bring it in. That was to a this. Great, that's a cameo, but yeah, oh, brilliant, good Small stuff. Small role. Wow. Um, good job. I also have. Uh, I had to put Will Ferrell in both The Wedding Crashers and Zoolander. Oh yeah, The Wedding Crashers is the best. Meatloaf, come on. Yeah, what's the a meatloaf? Meatloaf. Ma! Ma! meatloaf. We want it. <laughs> I, I had had to bring that to the table. I'm living the dream, man. <laughs> I know he's such a piece of shit. Hitting on ladies at a funeral. Oh. God. That's pretty low. Yeah. What a great performance of him, though, in that one. Oh. Good stuff. Oh, yeah. Great point, Dave. What um, else do you got? Oh, this is a good one. You're, this is right. this takes us back. Ruth Gordman, okay. who I didn't know either, but All I had right. to look up her name, who is the mother in every which way but lose. Oh, yeah, the old lady. Another old lady. Fucking phenomenal. She was so angry. <laughs> Swore like there's something... Like a, like a sailor. About old people swearing, oh, especially old women. so funny. That I think is the funniest thing in the world, and she is hilarious. Every which way but loose. Dude. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's good a... Stuff. I don't know if it's a good film. I think uh, it's, it's decent. It's decent, but funny. But she is definitely worth like, watching yeah. the film. You can't wait to see her again. Yeah, it's a Clint Eastwood film. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, I have Leslie Mann in The Change Up. Which I love. Okay, that movie. see, I've never the change up. Is with that with Bateman? Ryan Reynolds and Jason Bateman. Okay, I haven't seen it yet. I'll have to see it. <sighs> Kidding me? Okay, very good. Okay, uh, another old person, Burgess Meredith yeah. and Grumpy Old Men. Yeah, we we talked about that. We touched upon that. We could have very easily put him in the top twenty. I easily. Think. Yeah, we probably could have shuffled somebody out of there, but yeah, good work. Um, Steve Carell and Anchorman. Yeah, right. Brilliant. Mm-hmm. Well done. That scene he has where uh, he's fucking with his with his voice while he's giving that telecast. And no, that's... Oh, is that Bruce Almighty? Yes. Okay, so which one did you put for Carell? Anchorman. Anchorman. Oh, okay. Will Ferrell. Okay, yeah. Wow. Which one's Plays better? Brick. Which one's better? That I would say scene, Brick. That scene alone, though, is in, good. in Bruce Almighty yeah. is fucking epic. But Anchorman, he's such a dumbass. Yeah. It works so well. Is, I love Lamp. I love Lamp. I love Lamp. <laughs> it was so random shit. Great character. Um, and then I also have Tim Meadows in Mean Girls. Oh, okay. I love that movie, mm-hmm. and I think Tim Meadows is very underrated. Yeah, my kids love that movie. 
Yeah, man, oh, I love it. that movie. Yeah, it's great. Wow. So there you go. There's some honorable <clears throat> mentions about the best supporting roles that we think we've ever seen. They grab us. So I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Actors Room. We're going to wrap it up because we are approaching. We are over an hour. So over an hour. We're over an hour. Okay. So we're going to wrap it up. And go ahead and put a part one and part two to this. The next one's going to be dramatic roles. We're going to touch on the top 20 in the dramatic roles of supporting actors and actresses. Okay, everybody. I hope you had a great day today. Uh, Go ahead and put in that movie. But before you do that, you have to do something very important. You have to fucking go on iTunes, people. I know there are people listening. Go on iTunes. Take, what, a minute. Write a comment. Give a review. Five-star review. It helps out the show, people. I know this. Um, When I put in actors in iTunes, my show comes up, and that's great. But it needs to be higher on the list. And by doing that, by giving reviews, it will bump itself up. So when people search for something, my show comes up higher on the list. And the chances of this show being listened to goes up dramatically. So please, I am just begging you to go on iTunes and do that. Visit the website, theactorsroom.lipson.com. Go on Instagram. I'm on Facebook and Twitter. There it is. (laughs) Episode number 45 in the books. Thank you, Dave, for all the research in the first half. Awesome stuff. And we are back next week with part two. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Put in that movie tonight, one that makes you feel good. Thank you. Have a great night.